You're listening to Amplified, presented by Lurie Children's. Transcripts of this and all episodes can be found at luriechildrens.org forward slash amplified. Daughter, sister, athlete, teammate, friend, audiologist. Over the course of Amplified, we have heard Katie talk about many of the roles and relationships in her life. And today we will hear about two other important ones, wife and mother. At the beginning of Amplified, I mentioned how communication is so critical for any relationship to be successful, regardless of the hearing status. So I was excited to sit down again with Katie and her husband, Chris Farnsworth. My name's Chris Farnsworth. I am a firefighter paramedic, and I've been married to Katie for coming up on four years now. So Chris and Katie, how did you two meet? At a bar. At a bar downtown. Yeah. Um, I was out with some of my girlfriends, and um, as chance would have it, my girlfriend's roommate uh, knew Chris, and Chris and his friends happened to be at the same bar. I think you guys were already there. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, she introduced us, and the rest is kind of history. And I remember you sharing before that being at bars was sometimes hard for you. Um how was it talking to him in that first bar that first night? You know, I think that I I instantly was attracted to him. And um, he had a, a great outgoing personality. And he was easy to hear, you know. Mm-hmm. I also think sometimes it's, that's almost what just does it too. Like, I just felt like I was really connecting with him because I was hearing him really well. Okay. What do you remember about Katie that first night. I was amazed that she had a hearing loss. Did you know that first night? She told me that first night, but okay. we were at the bar. It's a loud bar. And she told me, and I had no idea. We were 30 minutes into a conversation. I had no idea. I thought it was amazing how well she was doing. I, I couldn't tell at the time, but she was reading my lips while we were talking. Uh, and I just thought it was amazing how well she did in such a loud environment. Before you met Katie, had you ever known anybody with hearing loss that you were close to? Uh, my grandfather uh, had hearing aids when you know I was younger. Uh, he passed away when I was pretty young, though, so I, I didn't have a lot of experience with anyone with hearing loss. Okay. And now, four years later, happy anniversary. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, how much do you feel like you've learned? an amazing amount uh i mean thinking back on it prior to doing this podcast had um you don't realize how much you're learning at the time and the amount of things like how how life changes the amount of things that you do because he does have a hearing loss and they just become second nature um so like for instance when we were living downtown uh prior to being married we would always take walks and I would always walk on her left-hand side uh, because her left side was her better side to hear from. Um, and then just communication and, and patience. Um, I've learned a ton uh, in respect to that because there's a lot of instances where I think that I've gotten my point across and Katie just hadn't heard me or just only caught parts of what I had said. So uh, really working on communication, which is you know extremely important in our relationship, 
um, I think uh, her hearing loss has, has definitely helped me along with that. Okay. And you two have a daughter who's two, and you're expecting your second um, next month. Yep. So tell me, what has it been like being parents together? I think that, you know, the first moment that I felt like, oh my gosh, we're parents, was um, when they we, when they came in to do the newborn hearing screening. And it was such an emotional thing. <laughs> um, you know that, of course, if Nora had a hearing loss, it was going to be so okay because of, you know, look what I do with my profession um, and the success that we have seen with children early identified. Um, but Chris and I decided to not undergo genetic testing beforehand um, because it wasn't going to change our desire to have children. Um, and so when they did the newborn hearing screening, I just remember Chris holding my hand and it was just a moment of, we're in this together no matter what happens. So, and when she passed, you know, I almost felt guilty to, for being relieved because I also didn't want to, you know, if she hadn't passed and if Nora had a hearing loss, we were going to figure this out together. And she was going to, she, you know, whatever was thrown our way, we were going to figure it out together. And we had the resources and the support. Um, but when she passed, and I just remember looking at Chris, and it was just a moment, I feel like that was our first, you know, obstacle as parents. And she was 12 days, you know, 12 hours old, right? So, um but I feel like since then, yes, communication has just been extraordinary. Um, and Chris has been such a natural <laughs> working with me and, and my hearing loss since day one. Um, and, you know, he he always will repeat himself and or try to say it in a different way or never make me feel, you know, that I'm, you know, just creating like a bigger bigger problem than you know what I mean um and so yeah you know I think especially with Norris um and with my hearing loss at night that Chris has taken such a lion's share for listening to her at night you know that I can really get some sleep because I just don't sleep as well if I of course if I have my hearing in or my implant in because for the last 30 years I haven't worn anything when I've been sleeping um and so you know he has just been such a rock for me and I have just I feel so incredibly lucky that I've met someone who is just incredibly supportive and has never made me feel different thanks for not telling the part about me running across the hospital with the bear claws in my hand <laughs> <laughs> yeah Chris actually so now I'll tell Chris actually wasn't in the room when they came in to do the newborn hearing screening and we were anxiously awaiting it. We were really, you know, that was the one thing that we hadn't really talked about it, but of course it was on both of our minds. Um, and so the poor guy had just left the room to go get us some donuts. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the screener came in and I, and they were wonderful because I asked them to wait till Chris came back and I called him and, you know, he's sprinting through the hospital, donuts in hand. <laughs> You know, just because he knew it was important. 
Um, and I think that, you know, I remember after um, Nora passed and Chris and I really did give like a, you know, a, a, a true like indication that we were really relieved. And I think that the screener, you know, was just kind of um, a little bit curious about that because, you know, I, of course, most parents don't even realize that's part of the protocol for their babies before they leave the hospital. Um, and so, you know, I then kind of, you know, I was able to mention that I did have a hearing loss myself and you could just tell that the screener then really understood that, of course, this was a bigger deal for us than maybe the majority of the families that he was seeing that day. Didn't he thank you for not telling him? Cause he like would have been. Yeah. So, and, it, and he was really sweet and he, you know, just tried to make light of the conversation and just say, I'm really glad you waited to tell me I, you had a hearing loss until afterwards. <laughs> oh, interesting. Been, you know, um, just, and you know, but he did such a wonderful job and it, I think it's so awesome you know, the, the newborn hearing screening is available and especially with our profession working with young kids and um, now just catching these kids so much earlier and, and we would have caught Nora. So, um, you know, I think it's been really cool from a um, audiologist perspective to see her grow and develop language and awareness to sounds and identification of sounds and just true understanding. I mean, it's it's really cool. Um, and, you know, it's, and to, to be able to do that together in different ways, you know, that there are some things, of course, I'm mom and, you know, we have that bond, but, but Chris and Nora just have an incredible bond too. And again, just his patience with me, if I'm not understanding something, um, you know, if I'm not hearing Nora ask me a question, you know, he's really just really good at just letting me know, hey, I, you know, this is what's going on and try to rope me into the, com- the conversation. I feel like it's made me more protective almost. Um, and I'm always, I feel like I'm always aware or trying to be aware of what's going on around us. And, um, you know, when we're living downtown again, we would be out at certain social settings and it's a little bit louder i can tell that katie's having a hard time so i would be part of a conversation but half listening to what katie was talking about and trying to help her if like she missed something because you like like your sister said you can tell when she misses something there's plenty of pretty classic stories (laughs) when katie comes back with a response we're like where did that come from uh (laughs) but yeah it's it's definitely made me a bit more protective um, and uh, I'll just leave it at that. And, um, you know, Katie, you didn't get your, you got your cochlear implant as an adult. And so you were together and I'm trying to remember, were you already married when you got your cochlear implant or? So we had just, we had just gotten married. Um, Chris and I did get, were together for about five years before we got married. Um, and so we already had a very great relationship. Um, and so I got my implant about three months after we got married. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how was that experience as new? I mean, you're newlyweds at that point, um, helping Katie through that transition. I made the mistake of trying to teach Katie how to back into our garage in an alley right after she got the implant. <laughs> and uh, that did not go over so hot. Uh, <laughs> she was having difficulty hearing me. Uh, very stressful. She's hearing you know, what sounds like 
what was it like robots right mm-hmm. or like a mouse and yeah and she's i'm trying to teach her what's going on and i didn't understand at the time how difficult it was for her i i think i had a um I didn't have a clear understanding of, of what she was going through at the time. Uh, so that was my first like eye-opening experience <laughs> with, wow, what what's going on right now? How long is this going to take for her hearing to come back to what was normal for her? Um, but you know, we worked through it. And I We spent a lot of time at night, and she would ask me to make certain noises and uh, you know, talk and just talk to her, read a book or, or do something and help her brain figure out what, what's going on, what noises that I was making. And it's pretty amazing. Uh, I mean, how quick, what was it? A couple months and you were starting to hear fairly normal again. Um, and I mean, it's a testament to her. She's brilliant, a thousand times smarter than I am. Um, but she put it together so quick and, and it was a lot of work um but it just amazes me what she's gone through and what she continues to go through with this what was that transition like initially going from a hearing aid to a cochlear implant um it was it was a lot and actually shortly before i was implanted um my my left ear as you know everyone's kind of attributed has been my stronger ear Um, and there was one occasion where my left hearing aid was not working and my right one was, and I was just super disadvantaged and really feeling stressed out. Um, even as in a pediatric audiologist, you know, it was just something that I couldn't fix at home. I needed to send the device in. And actually that particular morning, Chris drove me to work because I was just really upset about it. Um, and so, uh, Shortly after that, when after I had the implant, particularly the recovery as an adult was different. Um, you know that I, it was still an outpatient procedure. I still went home, you know, pretty much immediately after surgery. Um, but even those first few days, I was just not feeling great. Um, and uh, I'll never forget Chris giving me a pseudo spa. Um, hair wash because I couldn't get the incision wet and you know and he would take me around the block and I'm just kind of still in a daze and he's trying to talk to me so I think again just that connection and feeling so protected and so supported Um, even that first week before I was even activated was amazing and then um, of course he was at my initial activation as were both sets of parents you know both of his parents came to be with us as well and that was awesome because I feel like just the support again you know that I've felt my whole life has been incredible um that it was everything and nothing that I expected right like Mm -hmm. from my background I knew that I was walking into a completely unknown situation and I could hear absolutely nothing I might feel like I understand voices you know anything in between and my first experience was everything just sounded like um, keys on a piano or beeps I could hear different noises but I could not discriminate what they were who was talking what they were saying if someone was talking versus clapping like I I couldn't understand any of that and so it was very overwhelming 
Um, and, you know, definitely took some time to adjust. But I think, again, just having the, um, you know, support from, from Chris, too, was just incredible to, you know, be able to work with me as after I was implanted. Mm-hmm. We had the incident with your head wrap. Do you remember oh, that? Oh, yes. Okay. So, um, you know, after you have a cochlear implant surgery, they wrap your head to protect the incision site. And you usually need to leave it on for about 24 hours. So we were just shy of the 24-hour mark, and I'm itchy, and, you know, I'm just begging him to take this thing off. And we were sitting in our bathroom, and I was sitting on the toilet, and he's above me, and he's helping cut off the wrap. And I think just because of how tight it was, then all of the blood kind of left my head after the wrap was taken off. And I actually started to kind of get a little faint. She had a short, no. sinkable episode. She was yeah. out for a couple and, seconds. Um, you know, and, and I was totally fine. Um, but it also Chris being a paramedic, he was like, okay, <laughs> you know, how do we, you know, so again, just always feeling like I had somebody who was there and, and 110% keyed in every single day with my hearing loss. Um, you know, that's my hope for anybody who has a hearing loss that, you know, when you're looking for a partner, um, that they find somebody who, you know, you know, you can rely on. Because, yes, there is something that makes everyday situations sometimes a little bit harder. And so to have someone who can be there to just really help you move forward seamlessly is huge. How is it co-parenting with your demanding work schedules? Full-time clinician, full-time firefighter. I think that like any two working parents, you need to find a way to collaborate and make it happen. Um, We are very fortunate that we uh, have had the flexibility of grandparents helping with Nora. Um, But, you know, when we're both home, I also think that we try to alternate as much as we can to allow the other person to get a project done. And at night, like I mentioned, you know, Chris really does take the lion's share of listening for Nora, you know, if she's up, Um, especially now that we're past, you know, the bottle stage and everything like that, um, you know, that I feel really lucky that he's able to just help me in that situation. Um, Fortunately, sorry. No, go for it. With my job, I'm kind of used to being up at night, so it's really not that big of a deal to me to get up and, and I selfishly kind of like it when Nora gets up at night because you get the extra little time with her if you gotta you know hold her for a little bit it's kind of nice at this stage when she's two years old and you really don't get to do that much anymore um it just happened the other night and it was good 30 minutes of time with Nora uh where she's just kind of cuddling up with you but um that's the I, I think that's the one big difference for us you know having another baby coming very soon is that when I'm home, uh, Katie has her implant and hearing aid out, and I'm the one listening for, uh, you know, if the baby's rustling around and moving. And as Katie will say, when she sleeps, when someone else is around, she's kind of just dead to the world. She's just out, doesn't hear a thing. Um, And was like that for 
30 years prior to having children. So we got a couple interesting, funny stories <laughs> where uh, she does not wake up well. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, there were times where uh, Nora was crying. I would get up and our kind of routine is that I will get up, change the baby, and then you know, wake Katie up and hand her over so she can be fed. And uh, there's one time where Katie rolled over and she was holding her pillow like a baby after I had woken her up. And Katie looks up at me and then looks down at the pillow and freaks out because she thought that she was holding Nora. Oh my God. Which was pretty. pretty that would classic. be so scary. Yeah. She there had was... no idea what was going on. And then there was another time where I woke up Katie, or uh, changed Nora, came back in to, uh, you know, get Katie actually up to, to feed Nora. And Katie just rolled over and looked at me. And Nora's, you know, a month old. And she goes, did she eat? <laughs> yeah, I and fed her the pork chop out of yeah, the fridge. Yeah, Chris is like, I fed her the pork chop. <laughs> and yes. I said, oh. You don't have to be so insensitive. <laughs> like all Three those hormones, in the morning, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um yeah, you know, just and so it is interesting now thinking about doing this again and um the experiences that we learned and um compared to guys that I, you know, guys that I work with, we talk all the time about this stuff and their experience uh, you know, with early on with the kids is pretty hands off the you know wife gets up and you know, does the feeding and goes back down and they're like just stay asleep you, you can't do anything here but with us it's a little bit of a different setup and um i think i'm a little bit more involved uh but i kind of love it he's he's not giving himself enough credit chris is an incredibly involved dad um and always has been and i think you know, that initial involvement, of course, then has just evolved to, you know, with his schedule, he's home more with Nora than I am. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times it's it's kind of breaking the traditional family, you know, setup where Chris is kind of the primary parent a lot of times. Um, and Nora, you know, oftentimes will gravitate towards him. Um, and I think that is just so special um, and you know, that whether, how much of that is related to my hearing loss versus just who he is as a person, it's tough to tease out, but I think that, um, that's really awesome, you know, that he is able to be so involved and that, you know, he enjoys it. I agree. I feel like you're setting the bar where it should be for any father, not even one in your situation. Yeah. So I applaud you, Chris. Absolutely. Since you're married to Katie, and know more about hearing loss than the average person. Do you feel like it's ever affected you at work or it's ever translated over to anything at work? It absolutely has helped me at work. Um, you know, I'm a paramedic as well. So on the ambulance, we'll go out and we'll respond to elderly patients that have hearing aids. I've had multiple calls with children that have had hearing aids and um, I've been able to help out multiple times. You know, a lot of guys will look at it and I don't know what to do with this thing. If the if the patient needs to have a hearing aid put in or um, turn it on or something like that, uh, that along with knowing how to communicate uh, with people who do have hearing loss, um, 
I've noticed at work, a lot of guys will just start talking louder. And I make it a habit of standing right in front of the patient, making sure that they can see my face because uh, that's another thing that I've learned from Katie. Uh, and it has gotten me in trouble at times that she can read lips like crazy. <laughs> uh, I really have to watch out for that. But at work, it's absolutely helped me as well. Um, and, I, and I feel like I, I'm able to get across to the patients a lot better. Uh, and you know, I've brought that to my crews at work and I, I feel like it's made me a better um, first responder, absolutely. That's wonderful. Is there anything else you'd like to share? So they brought up subtitles earlier. That has absolutely changed my life for the better as well. We were actually, uh, just prior to uh, Katie giving birth to Nora, we were watching Game of Thrones and that is an amazing show to watch with subtitles because you miss, it's amazing how much you don't even know that you're missing uh, when you're reading the subtitles on the screen. So every now and then I'll toss them on at work and guys are like, what are you doing right now? Just wait, you'll you'll see, it's amazing. Um, and I think subtitles are good for relationships too because inevitably someone misses something, right? And rather than having to stop the show, what did they say, you know, um, it's awesome. And I think it's definitely <laughs> helped us out too, you know, that I don't have to just stop and say what. And not to say that Chris wouldn't, you know, take the time to tell me, but you know, he's also trying to enjoy <laughs> to enjoy the show too. And you know, it's nice that it's just one less thing again that we don't have to worry about. So one other thing that has definitely changed since Katie uh, got her cochlear implant was her ability to stream straight to her ears, which is amazing. Uh, and at the same time can be irritating for me, which, you know, I absolutely see how, you know, how amazing it is for her. She, she'd never be able to just put in headphones and, you know, unplug and listen, listen to something like that. Um, so I try to respect that, but at the same time, you know, our, our setup is I do all of the cooking. Katie does the laundry. It works out great. Uh, <laughs> but I'll, I would finish making dinner and I try to yell into Katie from the kitchen. Hey, dinner's ready. Come on in. And I yell it like three, four times. Like what is going on? This is shortly after she had gotten the cochlear implants. And I'd have to walk into the room and she's just streaming. Just, again, no idea what's going on around her. Um, so I flick the lights on and off to get her attention for her to come into the kitchen to eat. Um, it works. It, 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 it works. works like a charm. And, you know, and God bless him because he'll just flip the lights and then just look at me like, <laughs> pay attention. And then, you know, but. And, and I think... Uh, Along with that, like the protective side, protective side comes out with me um, even more because she can set the levels of how much she's hearing outside of the streaming. So um, there's an incident when you were on the train going into work, um, going up the stairs, leaving the L stop, and all of a sudden everybody turned around and was sprinting down the stairs, and Katie had no idea why, and you know they thought something was going on. Um, at the top of the stairs, turned out it was just a door that had slammed, but Katie had no idea. And she came home and told me this and I was, you know, worried. so nervous, so worried. Uh, 
you know, because I, I've seen, you know, the things that she can miss, you know, we, we would bike around in the city and she can't necessarily hear people that are biking behind her coming to pass or saying passing on your left. And I've seen it before where, you know, there's been close calls. So I hear about stuff like that. And, you know, we have to have to talk about, like, we need to set these levels at a, uh, a level where you can still understand what's going on around you. And that's not knowledge you had before you met me, you know? So I think, yeah, just those experiences have allowed you to just, of course, have a different understanding of people who have hearing loss, um, you know, for your job and for life too. Um, My grandmother has a hearing loss and she, um, you know, just isn't a great hearing aid user, um, but, Chris is amazing when it comes to, you know, talking to her and and really taking the time to make sure that my grandma, my 92-year-old grandma knows, you know, what's going on. And, um, and, you know, that's one of the things I adore about him, you know, that he's really able to kind of translate that to other people around him too. Here today with Katie Radosevich-Farnsworth, Dr. Katie Radosevich-Farnsworth. And just to give a little background of how this project panned out, um, we did all the initial recordings with her family and Katie about six months ago. And then we have just now been able to get together to do this final interview. And... I don't know if you'd like to give an update of all the many things that's happened in your life. Yes. So in one of the previous episodes, as you mentioned, yes, it was six months ago, which seems crazy. I feel like with how the state of the world that it has been, you know, these past two years, um, I feel like time has flown and time has stood still, right? The past six months have been crazy for our family. Um, I... uh, now have a little little boy who is six months old. Yay, congrats. Um, and he's wonderful. Thank you. Um, his name is Ryan. And so that has been, you know, the biggest transition for the last six months, kind of just growing our family and also just continuing to see patients in clinic. It's been a very busy year amid the crazy pandemic as well um, that we've been able to continue to see these patients and uh, make sure that these kids are still hearing well and and doing well in school, especially because a lot of these kids are back in school after being remote this past year. Um, so just continuing to service them and and get them back up and running within the school system, I feel like has been a big you know source of uh, stress for everybody just to make sure that they're they're doing well. Right, right. I agree. And and I and I do want to talk more about that, but I also want to point out that Julie got married. <gasps> yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Maybe it's not all about me. Yes, my sister, <laughs> my sister Julie did get married. She got married um, this past November to a guy named Jack at Fisherman's Inn in Elburn, um, and it was such a wonderful day. Um, Nora was a flower girl, my two and a half year old, and Ryan was a. Um, kind of a ring bearer, but more of a attendee, if you will. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Abby got, Julie got married. Um, and then my other sister, Abby, has spent quite a bit of time with us too, um, now that we have two littles to um, just help us out in any way that we can. And yeah, I feel like that's been the biggest updates. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. And like you said, it's been a huge transition of going back from virtual learning 
where everything was paused to in-person learning and helping families get the services they need. Because I feel for some people, it's like they had to start over. And it's so frustrating. Yes, I, I definitely agree. Especially because during that virtual learning, everybody was trying to figure out how are we going to serve these kids Regardless if they had a hearing loss, you know, just making sure that we were able to reach these kids and engage them. Um, but I think you throw on a layer of hearing loss on top of that, where you're asking these kids to be able to stream or be able to listen online. That just brings so many other challenges to make sure that they are able to continue to participate in classes, um, especially our kids that are in a mainstream setting to make sure that they can just have access the same way that all those other kids can maybe more naturally do. Mm. I have a lot of families where that was a big transition. And I found a lot of parents being pretty concerned about, is my kid able to hear? Um, are they able to participate in the way they want to? And how can we as audiologists support them? And I think even across the hearing aid manufacturers, there were different kind of tips and tricks that were coming out to help get those kids connected wirelessly. But I think it, every patient, it seemed like it was its own unique case. I felt like it wasn't like a one size fits all at mm -hmm. all. Right, yeah. right. And how has masks, you know, how has it been for you, you know, in work and life wearing masks? Yeah, it was, it's been tough. Um, I think that it has gotten a lot better just because I've been able to maybe be a little more upfront about what I need patients to be able to do. Um, what's great about the sound booth is when I'm on the tester side of the booth and my patients are in the sound booth, I, you know, I can ask them to pull their mask down if they feel comfortable with that because we are actually in two separate rooms. So that has been huge. I think just continuing to self-advocate for myself, you know, which is not that it's ever over. So with the mask, that has kind of required me to re-self-advocate for myself, which I think at this stage of my life, as we've kind of talked about in previous episodes, there are so many things that technology has allowed to help make my life a little bit easier, right? Like subtitles and um, being able to connect to different devices wirelessly, all of that is just allowed things to just be a little bit more simple. But now we've thrown a mask on all of these people where the majority of hearing impaired patients are excellent lip readers, whether or not that's something that has been taught to them or just something that uh, I feel like they just kind of clue into. That has been, of course, just tough taking that away. And I think that myself, as well as all of my patient's parents are kind of surprised for how much you rely on lip reading. I think it was kind of a surprise even to myself for how much I continue to rely on lip reading, especially with patients where maybe the family's first language isn't English. So just relying on that lip reading when you're trying to also overcome just a, a pretty thick accent can be very challenging. And so throwing a mask on has just created a, an added layer of just really needing to pay that much more attention rather than being able to kind of listen and take notes at the same time, just really sitting there and listening. I've found that it's gotten better, but especially at first, uh, I was exhausted just coming mm -hmm. home from work. Um, and then especially once I got pregnant, I was double exhausted. So it was, it was a rough couple of months to really 
get into a good groove where I felt confident enough that I could, you know, continue to really do my job, of course, and also just listen. What's great is that on my end, I've also been able to wear communication masks where there's a clear cutout where my mouth is. And so a lot of patients and their families have commented on, you know, just how wonderful that is because then they can at least see me. But, you know, patient families aren't coming in with that. Right. So it, it has been a challenge. You know, I think that there's just been so many challenges about these past couple of years aside from just the masks, right? But I think that has just created a whole other layer where we already have a job where we just want to help people. Um, but you, I almost needed to help myself first before I could help them. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And that just required more programming changes um, for myself, just more aggressive settings, just to really be able to hear these families. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think never being afraid to ask for repetition, right? And and show those families that they need to also, you know, repeat themselves, not just for me, but for their kids. If you're walking around in a noisy situation, um, if they didn't hear you, you really need to make sure that you get your point across. Sure. And I'd give you and your family a lot of credit for being so open because I feel the culture of being an oral communicator with hearing loss is not really publicized or, you know, sometimes even dismissed of that this is really a a culture of children and families learning to communicate in their own way. A lot of emphasis gets put on the capital D deaf culture um, and American Sign Language, which is also its own beautiful culture. But just because that's not your mode of communication you pick doesn't mean your family's not adopting a whole new rhythm that, you know, you I think you and your sisters most beautifully described it with you getting ready in the bathroom and Julie and Abby holding your hearing aids. You know, that's a culture that families get to be part of. And I don't think it's seen that way. It's so focused on the diagnosis side of things or the technology side of things, which is important, but not the whole picture. Yeah. And I think um, when a family is picking kind of their preference for communication, whether that be sign language or a combination or a total communication approach, that's a big decision. And it can continue to be an evolving discussion. But like you said, that was a decision that my family made for me to be an oral communicator. I know some signs, but I'm actually fluent in Spanish. So mm-hmm. especially when these masks came to be, it wasn't like I could then rely on my sign language skills to really be able to communicate efficiently enough with these families. And so, yes, so my mode of communication, this oral culture that I have has really had a spotlight, especially, you know, these past couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has. And I think you're totally right. It isn't something that's really discussed because oftentimes those kids are maybe more typically developing, more mainstream. But those kids arguably are working even harder Mm -hmm. uh, to really make sure that they can be successful as an oral communicator. Right. What advice do you have for parents? And I know that's probably not just one. There's no one (laughs) magic bullet, but um, what advice would you pass on to parents? I think my biggest piece of advice is just keep listening um, and, and keep an open mind. I think that 
you are just absorbing, especially with the initial diagnosis, you're absorbing so much information. And we we talked about in a previous episode where um, I, Nora had her newborn hearing screening and just how emotional that was for me. And I'm somebody who is a pediatric audiologist and just absorbing as much as you can, continuing to listen, continuing to ask questions, not only of your kids, but also of your other trusted people in your life, whether that be another family member, your physician, your audiologist. I think everyone has, everyone wants to just be able to provide the right support. So I think just continuing to listen. And I also think just continuing to be flexible. You know, things come up, right? Like, like any other kid, you're something's going to get lost. Something's going to break. Continuing to be, yeah, yeah, you know, just continuing to be flexible and trying to just roll with the punches as much as you can. Because I think, especially as a young, as a mom of young kids, seeing how much my kids feel the energy that I'm giving off, you know, I don't want any parent to feel a disconnect with their hearing impaired kiddo because they're stressed about a situation and their kid is feeling like they're a cause of stress. That's what's amazing about pediatric audiologists too is we're there, you know, Monday through Friday. And if something happens, then we can help fix, you know, whatever device is broken or, okay, we need, we have an ear infection. Let's get you in with ENT. Um, I think, you know, being flexible and continuing to develop a relationship with the audiologist is really important of course, developing a relationship with your kid and just treating them like who they are and not because of their hearing loss. Obviously, at Lurie Children's, we see a lot of kids who have hearing loss secondary to maybe another comorbidity, right? And and I'm not here to say that every kid can be treated the same way. But I also think, you know, hearing loss is something that we can tackle together and it doesn't need to be anything that can limit your kid or limit your family. And there's always a way. We just need to find the way. Right. So I think just being flexible is is a big is a big piece of advice. And that can kind of just be all encompassing, not even just because of the hearing loss. Sure. Yeah. What do you think is the most misunderstood part of being a pediatric audiologist? I think that Social media is a wonderful tool, especially with when you are a newly diagnosed family um, or there's been a change in hearing and now we're going down a different path. Maybe we've gone from hearing aids to cochlear implants. YouTube is a blessing and a curse, right, (laughs) when it comes to just the expectation of um, what your kid is going to do when they first receive amplification because, yes, there are definitely – wonderful special aha moments but you know there's also really tough days so i think that is maybe the biggest misconception of our job that you come in and everything's going to be wonderful and nothing's you know nothing is going to go wrong maybe right um, i mean cuz getting the getting the device yeah you is know the and, end. yeah because you know that first moment might be amazing but then you go home and your toddler rips off the hearing aids. <laughs> and that's the stuff that's not on social media or on that YouTube channel. I think the parent support groups are wonderful. But again, I also think developing a really strong relationship with your audiologist so you can just ask those questions and get a good, honest, educated answer is huge. 
because I think I have a lot of families that come back and they're very frustrated. Oh, they won't leave these hearing aids in or I'm not seeing a change in hearing. I'm not seeing improved responses. And there could just be a whole slew of reasons why that is. And I think sometimes that just kind of gets lost in the shuffle until you're it's staring you in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's the biggest. And, you know, you, I feel you were such a trooper when we first started this project and we recorded back in June when it was so hot and you were so pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) I feel we recorded right before you were like, no thanks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I mean, yeah. And he came early. Thank God he came early. But um, yeah. The next week I saw you work and you said, yeah, I'm about done. I'm yeah. about done with this pregnancy. <laughs> I'm I'm about done. Yeah, it's been it's been such a journey. Mm-hmm. It's been so rewarding to work with kids. I think selfishly, it's just as much fun for me as it is for them, right? To get to see these kids make, make progress or if they're not making progress, kind of figuring out what do we do to help. Um, and having those breakthrough moments is huge. And developing those relationships with parents and with kids and with their siblings too. You know, I think that's also a, another piece of the puzzle that isn't really discussed that much. Mm-hmm. And my sisters were such an integral part of my childhood. And even now, you know, they're a huge part of my identity. And I think that they made it a point to be involved and that was because they were allowed to be involved, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think that's what's really nice too is just bringing those siblings in so they can see these appointments. It's crucial too. Right, right. Yeah. Well, are there any final words you want to impart? No, I think this on has our, been- I'm sure, huge <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> I, this has been such a fun journey. Yeah. And uh, I feel so grateful for you to oh you know gosh, just please. just I'm so oh, grateful well, you shared everything no i th- but just you this has been such a huge undertaking for you and you have just spearheaded this whole thing and i'm just so excited that now we have something that these parents can listen to and and start to relate to mm-hmm. um yeah so thank you no really Thanks, from man. from the bottom of my basement thank you <laughs> as, as everyone hears my two boys pounding Upstairs. Ryan's upstairs chugging a bottle too. So, yeah. Yeah. It takes a village. It does. (laughs) Yeah. Even though this project is finished, Katie's journey will undoubtedly continue to shine brighter and louder. Her story is a tribute to the human miracle of communication and how it connects us all. Katie's story is uplifting, but unfortunately, not the standard. Are things better for kids with hearing loss than they were 30 years ago? Of course. But there still remains so many barriers for so many families. Our medical and educational systems do not have the resources to align with what audiology best practice says these children need. Caregivers and parents struggle to find funding for hearing aids and properly trained pediatric providers. Audiology training continues to rise in cost, even though salaries do not, leaving new graduates with staggering student loan debt. Sometimes children are still not referred in a timely manner to audiology due to another provider dismissing childhood hearing loss as a potential diagnosis. Some families can barely afford the transportation to get to their appointments. 
it's a real problem with enough content for a whole other podcast. But for now, Katie's final advice resonates for all of us living and or working with children. Just keep listening. And as always, thank you for listening. Amplified, presented by Lurie Children's, was created by me, Katie Colella. Music by Les FM. Artwork by Katrina Graggiolo. Special thanks to Jamie Budzik, Lisa Weber, Joy Ringer, Jen Haney, Danielle Lee, and of course, the Radosevich and Farnsworth families. If you need resources regarding childhood hearing loss, go to lurriechildrens.org forward slash audiology dash resources. Transcripts of all episodes are available at lurriechildrens.org forward slash amplified. Learn more about Katie and the incredible Division of Rehabilitation Services on Instagram at Lurie Rehab Services. That's at L-U-R-I-E Rehab Services.